Lucky Land slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Previously on Rabbit and Red Radio. Uh, do I still sound all right? Yeah. Okay. You, your problem is you hate Bronson because you're an idiot. Because he can't act. I disagree with your statement entirely. <laughs> I disagree with your statement entirely because I was fucking... When I checked after I copied you the original uh, yesterday, before I sent it out, I was checking it. And he in the beginning of the original, he's on the beach with his wife and he's photographing her in the water. Now that is fucking brilliant. And he's like, okay, honey, over this way. Honey, do this, do this. Oh, Paul, yes, do this. Shot this. Perfect. That's perfect. That's per- Oh, Paul. Paul. And see, Bruce I, is I'm going to hold like, off judgment until I watch it. Bruce is just like, okay, I'm not going to kill you. Jack's going to kill you. Yeah. You haven't even seen it. How, how Stop judging a trailer, that? man. I'm not going to kill you. Jack's going to kill you. Or, yeah, you just keep doing what you're doing. You just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing, you're doing great work. Oh, uh, yeah. You think, hey, hey, hey. Fucking hack piece of shit, Bruce Willis. I am. I am more excited. Yeah, yeah I, I bet. I bet that Oscar that he has. You know, oof. I such am, a hack, man. I am more excited. Okay, I'm more excited. More excited about Die Hard coming to 4K on May 15th than I am about his performance in Death Wish. Well, because you don't like movies that are new I you just want to watch the same new. old shit over and over and over that are new. I've watched new movies I watched Lady Bird I watched Wonder I watched what the fuck is Lady Bird why do you watch shit Mike watch batch. something good you'll get it it's good for you and Sarah to watch you guys I don't want to watch that kind you of shit watch it and now Except kids playing pranks, trick-or-treating, parking, getting high. I have the feeling that you're way off on this. You have the wrong feeling. Well, you're not doing very much to prove me wrong. What more do you need? Well, it's going to take more than fancy talk to keep me up all night crawling around these bushes. I, I, I watched him for 15 years, sitting in a room, staring at a wall, not seeing the wall, looking past the wall, looking at 
this night inhumanly patient, waiting for some secret silent alarm to trigger him off. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it. Johnson, whatever. No, it's a Gimcock. It's not that very... It's, I'm not well endowed. It's Gimcock. Gimcock is not good cock. No, it's not. Well, yeah. Ask any woman, right, Michael? Exactly. Even the ones you pay. Dude, you've no idea how many times I've been called baby dick by people. It's not fun. All right, well, let's actually save this because, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll do baby dick. All right. Hey, just call me Baby Dick J. How about that? That's a perfect name. <laughs> Shut up for a second, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you and you uh, guys bicker like it's uh, me and my friend. How we a, bicker over here? It's a fucking jungle down there. It's like fucking the Viet yeah. Cong. Viet Cong. <laughs> All right, and welcome to Rabbit and Red. Radio. Okay, it's rabbit in red. There you go with the and again. It's not rabbit and red. It's rabbit in red. All right, whatever, baby Vince. dick. So, <laughs> sure, with me as always 
is Michael J., which uh, you might want to start looking for some moving boxes for that desk, because as soon as I find a replacement, you are fucking gone. Replace me? But I'm a founding member of Rabbit and Red. It's impossible. Anyway, uh, joining us tonight... We have a special guest because it's a long-standing history of Rabbit and Red that oh. when we find somebody that is fucking cool, we invite them on. So, joining us tonight, we have Cody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How's everyone doing? Uh, actually, uh, not too bad myself. Oh. Um, I... Really, the only thing going on with me is I uh, I signed up for Movie Pass finally. Oh, Jesus I, Christ! Shut up for a second. There we go. Fucking asshole. Uh, I signed up for it, but I didn't read the small print because they had a great deal going on of seven something a month, whatever. Uh, as it turns out, I paid for the entire year at once. You dumbass. So wasn't expecting that hit to the account, especially after I just ordered the uh, uh, collector's edition of uh, Scott Pilgrim. And people Blue say Ray. I'm retarded. You are fucking... You, John, you... I'm supposed to be the handicapped one here. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I just don't pay attention to detail, so... Uh, yeah. How much did you end up paying for the year, John? Uh, for the year, it was like uh, 105 and some odd cents. Oh. Jesus Christ. That's like my strip club budget on a monthly basis. Yeah, right? <laughs> So that just means one less time out at the club. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Unless there's uh, oil wrestling going on. I just got to see that at, oh, at the God Diamond Lodge. I just got to see that about a month ago for the first time. It was good shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they uh, they were there was oil. There's a, a sumo uh, circle around them. Although they wasn't big strippers, they were nice little petite ones. They they probably they're probably secretly uh, bulimic or something like that, so they could maintain that ra- weight. But uh, yeah, they wrestled around for about five seven minutes in two or three round matches, and uh, oh my god, the drunks were hooting, hollering, and I was just laughing my ass off because I knew the guy next to me probably had a fucking pudgy, and I was just sitting there laughing watching uh, the match. <laughs> but, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> oh boy. So, so Michael, how's your pathetic life been going, my friend? Well, I'm kind of wishing I was at the strip club, but um, <laughs> no. yeah, but I, I guess you actually would have an advantage there, Mike, because the strippers would never know when you actually had a hard on. Um, um, they'd be grinding up on you and just being like, "Oh God, this guy must be gay." <laughs> Well, and not only that, he'd also have an advantage by coming going home with just as much money as he went in, because you know the women wouldn't go up to his ugly ass, probably. Exactly. Oh, that's very true. That is very true. See, that's how it... <laughs> now, I don't know if, I, if I've mentioned this on the air before, but, um... Uh, what was it? My senior year of high school, I went down to Virginia Beach with my cousin for, like, a week, and he got these two strippers to come into the room. And, uh, the one was, um, some ethnicity very hot i think that's kind of how i got into the jungle fever aspect of my life anyway and then there was another one that was like a white chick and uh they were like i guess they just had turned like 18 19 something like that i don't know so they're like up they got their tits in my face they're trying to like really like get me because they wanted me to be the bachelor but i did not want to be the bachelor because i didn't know what the fuck that 
entailed or anything like that. I was a pussy back then. I knew nothing of of all that type of shit. So, um, they're, like, trying to get me, like, going, all that stuff, whatever. And I'm just sitting there, and my cousin was like, after they left, he's like, dude, you sat there, and you looked like you had to take a shit for the entire night. These girls are, like, all <laughs> up in your face. They got their tits in your face. They're, you know, they're really trying to, like, you know, get you you know, into it and all that stuff, and you're just sitting there like, ooh, ooh, I gotta shit, I gotta shit, I gotta shit, ooh. <laughs> He's like, that's good money that we wasted, and you're just sitting there. So you're right. you're basically just trying not to come in your pants the entire night, right, Michael? No, actually, well, no, see, there was, there, there was, um, there was a female that I liked back here, and I kind of felt that if I, you know, got involved with any of that, even though we weren't together or anything like that. It was like, I felt kind of dirty. And I'm like, if I would have gone ahead and done anything, I'm like, no, that's not gonna. So the whole time I was thinking of her as they're like shoving their tits in my face and all that stuff. In hindsight, with the way the relationship turned out, um, I really wish that I would have, uh, you know, acted on it. Cause yeah, you could have been thinking of her while you were fucking railing at least one of them, if not both of them. Yeah, because my cousin said, you know, my cousin said, you know, they'd look at you and you're gimpy, so, you know, you probably could have gotten one of them to fuck you. <laughs> Sympathy fuck is still a fuck, right, Mike? Yeah, I mean, considering that they took one of my cousin's friends who was kind of ugly and he was, like, on the toilet and... She was like on the towel rack above him, like kind of like hanging on, kind of like grinding on him, and uh, she brought down the towel rack. <laughs> I wanted them to bring down something like that on my head. I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> hey, uh, so I got a quick story too about the strip club. It's not as interesting as that, but um, <laughs> just to give you a little bit of uh, a personal background on me. Um, if for anyone that's listening to this that doesn't know yet, I, I am physically disabled. Um, I have a disability that's called arthrogryposis. It's a very rare disability. Um, and on the left side of my leg, I have what's called a club foot. So it's basically, uh, we, me and my friends call it a nub. You know, we just say I got a nub. Um, but it, it, it could possibly pass as, as if, like, I had an accident or... Or like you know something bad might have happened you know you know my foot my foot just looks all deformed on the left side basically. Well, in the strip club that we go to over here in Ohio, uh, the Diamond Lodge, uh, it's it's darker in there but not too too dark. Well, you know it's it's everything in one. It's a restaurant and it's a strip club and it's a bar. So you know people are drunk off their asses there. Well, uh, I was wearing a like a beanie hat type of thing, uh, you know, so you couldn't really see my hair. Uh, I was wearing uh, a hoodie, so again, you couldn't really see my body too, too much. Uh, but I didn't have my shoes on because I was going with a friend who were, was able to pick me up out of my wheelchair and put me in their car, whatever. Well, so my nub was exposed. So, uh, you know, me and my friends are just sitting there hanging out, eating some food, watching the, the uh, living, breathing entertainment products that dance on the stage. And <laughs> That's a great way to put it. I'm sorry. That's great. Yeah, that's what the fuck they are, too. But, uh, and then all of a sudden this middle-aged guy comes up to us. I'd say he's may maybe in his early 50s. I would have put him more in his mid to late 40s, though, uh, in my opinion. Well, he was drunk, of course, and he comes down and he sits next to me, and he's got this smile on his face, and I, at first I thought, do I know you, motherfucker? And then I was like, wait, I don't know you. Like, what the fuck is about to happen here? And he goes, 
Sir, I just want to come up to you and I just want to say thank you. And I was like, oh, you're welcome. For what? And he said, I just want to thank you for serving our country and all the hard-fought battles you did for our country. He thought I was a fucking war veteran. He, looked, he saw my nuts and he seen that I was in a wheelchair. And he just fucking thought that, you know, he couldn't tell if I was in my 20s, 30s, 50s, whatever. And he thought I had went through some fucking shit. So, you know, he's sitting there talking, oh, yeah, those damn commies and them damn people and blah, blah, blah. He's saying all kinds of stuff I don't want to say on this show, but he was going on and on and on, all kinds of racist shit and all kinds of stupid fucked up shit. And he just said constantly, man, did the shit that you sacrificed for, I appreciate that. And, man, here, here's $50. You buy yourself whatever dances you want. He fucking gave me money to buy dances. <laughs> These entertainment products because he thought he was so drunk he thought I was a, a fucking veteran or some shit. <laughs> so I just I, I said you're welcome, motherfucker. I said have a good day. You know that was that. <laughs> I mean I've had people come up to me in the past over the years. I've been going to strip club ever since I turned eighteen because unfortunately in today's world ain't too much uh, ain't too many women gonna come up to a handicapped guy and just give him some pussy. You know you kind of got to get it other ways. But uh, at a strip club, it's a different kind of world. You know, it's a different reality. So I, I enjoy the strip club because I can take my government-funded money, after I pay my bills, that is, and I can just, you know, spend it on women that will give me temporary companionship for the night, and that's all the fuck I want. Bitch, I don't care if you take my dollar bill and go snort some cocaine up your nose afterwards. Just dance on me first. You know what I mean? So, uh, but, yeah, all the years that I've gone through the, to the strip club, that... I've had people buy me dances before, but none has ever come up to me and just flat out talked to me and said I, you know, was so sure that they thought I went through a fucking war in my life and that I deserved to be have dances bought for me because I must have got my foot blown off back in Nam or some shit. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that 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 just happened to me about four months ago. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. Well, I I did almost actually get to meet you one once, uh, Cody. If you recall, we were both at the uh, autograph signing for uh, Bruce Gamble's newest right. book. Right, Bar Barnes and Noble in Cleveland, right? Right, right. And uh, you got whisked straight to the front of the line, and I got to hang out with the fucking humanoids that were there for another hour. And it was just like, right. hey, is that? Co oh, fuck, he's he's leaving already. Oh. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you know what, uh, man, I and I remember you messaged me, or no, I seen you post photos about it uh, a couple of days after, I was like, holy shit, that looks like, yeah, that was the same one I was at. Well, I tell you what, me and my nurse, I couldn't get any of my friends to take me, so I had to pay my nurse $50 to take me there, because again, <laughs> I live in Warren, Ohio, which is a good hour and 15, 20 minutes away from that Barnes & Noble that we had to get to. And we be, we got there about four four thirty. It was right before everything was about to start. So I and again, you were talking earlier about the fine print. I don't know if that part was on recorded for the show or not, but you were talking about the fine print for your movie pass. I didn't read the fine print on Bruce Campbell's website, and I thought that all I needed was just his book in general, and I could get there and get a signing and all that. Well, I got there, and I found out that, no, you have to actually buy the book from either Barnes & Noble's website or actually buy a book when you get there at the place. Right. I didn't fucking know that, and I'm not about to leave, go home, and 
not meet the king. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. I was like, fuck it, I'll buy a second book. Uh, you know, give me my wristband. And I was like number 425 or whatever, and my nurse was pissed. I mean, I was kind of pissed too. And I told her, I was like, you know, we're going to be here for a while. There is probably about eight 900 people here. You know, there is a shit ton of people there. Right. And uh, I was like, you, we're going to be here for quite a while. Uh, and then I'm sure you were there when this happened, but Bruce Campbell himself got on the intercom. Yeah, I, I was just little... grabbing my seat at that point. <laughs> like everyone chuckled at that, and everyone, because he basically said, hey, I'm going to get through all of you. I'm not going to leave this place until I get all of you in. And that was great. So, yeah, I sat there. I was downstairs by the, uh, they had a little subway or something like that on the right side of the whole store. So I was sitting over there. Uh, and I, and I, I knew I was going to end up talking to someone. I just started talking to some random guys. They looked like they were in the uh, mid-30s, but they also looked like virgins also. But I'm not judging, you know. And, uh, I, you know, we just started talking, and I figured, hey, I might as well make friends because I'm going to be here for two, three hours. And uh, then uh, Bruce's people or someone uh, sent one of the managers down from Barnes & Noble to me, and he, he said, hey, uh, Bruce said that you can come on up now and, you know, come up and meet him now since, uh, you know, so we can get you out of here as, as quick as possible. And I said, hey, I'm not complaining about that. And uh, so, yeah, there you go. Another example of why being disabled isn't all that bad, because I, I do believe it had something to do with that, that and the fact that I had to buy a second book. I think mostly because I'm disabled, because let's be honest, when you see a disabled person, there's going to be one of two thoughts that's going to instantly hit your head. One, you're going to either pity that son of a bitch, mm -hmm. or two, you're going to instantly hate him because, damn it, all my tax money is going towards his free money. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and, that, and I know you guys both see my Facebook posts on a daily basis, and I go off of that concept all the time. You know, people are either going to laugh at my posts or they're going to fucking hate me because of my posts. You know what I mean? I so, think you're fucking funny as yeah, shit. Yeah, I agree. Totally <laughs> fucking Thank hilarious, dude. Thank you. I appreciate that. Most people do. You know, most people get it. You know, Cody is not trying to actually cause problems. He's just being himself. And the only part that I'm trying to get people to understand is I'm not trying to get people to, to feel sorry for people with disabilities in general because I'm going to tell you, and I, I want everyone to take this seriously right here and now that's listening to this uh, podcast, being disabled is not a bad thing in itself. It is not. And anybody who you guys meet in the future that's in a wheelchair and if they have this pity me and oh, poor me bullshit attitude, they're full of shit, John and Mike, because uh, you, life is what you make it, no matter if you're disabled or not. And I can tell you what, at 31 years old, my life is not bad. Have I gone through some shit? Yeah, you're damn right I have. But I look forward to getting up every fucking day of my life. And, you know, like, maybe my means of happiness is not the same as everyone else's, but that's the whole point. We're individuals in life. we got to find our own paths for, for happiness. And I think in today's world especially, uh, you get, especially the younger crowd, they don't understand. You know, they, they just look at someone like me and they say, oh, well, poor him. He's God. You know, what can he do in life? It's like, motherfucker, I can steal your girl. If not with my charms and with my fucking bank account, I can. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, life isn't that bad for me. It really isn't. I find my ways to be entertained. I find my ways to be happy. And that's the whole point of my, as what I call, heel posts on Facebook. I just, uh, I post what the fuck I want. And it gives me this kind of rush, 
it gives me this kind of an emotional high when I see people uh, react to it and comment on it. And it, it's fun. It's what I look forward to. And who the fuck is anyone else to judge me for that? You know? Absolutely, man. I, in fact, it, it kind of brightens my day as I, uh, you know, groggily in the morning scanning through Facebook and then I just run across some of your fucked up shit. And it's just like, you know, that just made my day a little bit better. I appreciate that. I'm glad I got at least half, I'd say about 50% of the people on my friends list. I got about 150, 160 some people on my friends list. But I'm glad to know that maybe a little over half of them, including you two, that actually enjoy what I post and, you know, don't take it the wrong way or anything like that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And and your your whole uh, Bruce Campbell story just made me realize Wait. that next time I go to an event like that, oh. Michael J., you are coming with me just so I can get the, uh, the pity bump to the front of the line with you. Well, we could try ah. that. No, but okay, but Cody, I have to ask you now, with Bruce... When you got up to the front there, now, um, was he taking pictures or was that not allowed? No, he was not. And you know what? And they told me, actually, they told me multiple times when they came down to tell me the first time mm -hmm. that he was going to let me come up. They, as nice as they were, he did, the, the guy did say ahead of time, he said, just to let you know, there's, he's not taking pictures with anybody. You can take a selfie of yourself with him in the background, wow. but you can't ask him to pose for no pictures. What an uh, asshole! I, 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 all right, I agree with that, like, whatever. And then when I got up there, and by the way, I want to tell you, when they were, when, when my nurse was pushing me through the, the uh, left side of the line, I was just looking over, and I tell you what, I had never seen so many disappointed looks on people's faces that, like, that I did on that day. That was the one fucking day that most people were looking at me and they were thinking, that crippled son of a bitch. He's got up there and we're going to be standing here for the next two hours. <laughs> but no, I got up there. It was a quick thing, Mike. Uh, he was really nice to me, though, and I was surprised about that because uh, I had a few of my friends say a couple of months before, and they were like, hey, just to let you know, Bruce Campbell, I heard, was a dick in real life. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But I just want to meet him anyway. But, yeah, he signed both my books, uh, asked me how I was doing, and uh, it was real quick. I didn't really know what to say, I, so I just blurted out something like, you know, Army of Darkness is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, and that was really about it. Uh, it was a quick minute-and-a-half, two-minute thing, but it was worth it to me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I got to meet the king, you know, and that's all that fucking mattered. The only other person I would, have, I would like to meet other than Bruce Campbell that I feel is real big in the horror uh, world mm -hmm. would probably be Robert Englund. Yeah, that would be an awesome one to me. And, and my my experience was somewhat similar, although probably two hours after yours. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I was right in the middle of everyone. I, I was like 400 and something. I don't remember. But uh, mm -hmm. I finally got ushered over to him. And, and my fiance was, of course, drugged there. And she she took the pictures because, you know, he didn't have time with that many people because I think they allotted like two hours or three hours for the signing and then 800 people showed up. So, right, right. But, uh, no, I, I got my autograph and, uh, brief little conversation about the, uh, the VHS, uh, clamshell of, uh, Evil Dead that I had and then was on my way with a giant fucking smile on my face for meeting the king. Yeah, that's all that mattered, right? It was fucking awesome. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I have nothing bad to say about that experience. I've I've heard other people had bad experiences with them, but you know, sometimes people just want to live their fucking life without somebody being right up their ass. Exactly, and you know what? And I'm sure anybody who listens to you guys' shows uh, already knows this. Don't go up to people in the fucking airport at five o'clock in the morning. Don't do it. 
because yes, you're right. They they have lives. They're human beings. They're not at book signings and, and autograph signings all day, every day. They want to have personal time with their families and them to themselves. Don't go up to them in gyms. Don't go up to you know them in airports and shit, restaurants and shit like that when they're not working. You know what I mean? Like maybe some people do get lucky with that, and and whoever the person is might not be a dick or a bitch or whatever. But lots of times you did it to yourself essentially if you go up and disturb the peace essentially with that actor or that celebrity because they're getting it from all ends on a daily basis. And I'll tell you what, as stoked as I would be if I saw you know, Robert England or a Kane Hodder or someone else or even a wrestler, you know, that I really like, like AJ Styles or, or Kevin Owens or something like that. If I seen anybody that I idolized or really liked to watch on TV, movies, wrestling or anything like that, if I saw them in a restaurant, fuck no would I. I would not go up to them. I just wouldn't. I, I would, maybe I would take a picture, uh, you know, and even that is risky. Even that is risky because they might not even be okay with that. I don't know if you guys heard this, but there's a story that went around about two, two and a half years ago where some fan uh, took a picture of Randy Orton uh, in, in a gym. And yes. It, Orton got pissed, and, and rightfully so, I think. So it's just all up, to, and then, again, there's two sides to every story. So it's all up to how you present yourself as the fan and in what scenario it is that you're approaching them you know just be fucking careful you know i i think that should be common sense these aren't robots we're talking about we're talking about human beings that bust their ass for our entertainment cut, cut them a little bit of a break you know yeah if if i saw somebody in the restaurant or if i ran into them in a hotel gym or something like that you know i'm gonna wait until the opportune time if at all and just be like hey man I appreciate your work and, and leave it at that. You know, if they want to propel the conversation, that's great. Or if they're just like, thanks, I'm happy. with right. that. I, I tell you, um, back when I was younger and I didn't know much better. I, I, first of all, I've never really had, I, I had one bad experience and I'll get to that in one second. But, um, where I live, like I said, in Warren, Ohio, they, uh, they do, they used to do about uh, 10, 12 years ago, anywhere between 06, 07, 08, they were doing a convention at one of the hotels that's about 10 minutes away from my house. It was called the Comfort Inn, and they were doing a convention called Dark Xmas or Dark Christmas or something like that. And it was uh, between October and December, so they called it, called it Dark Xmas. Well, the first two or three years, it was lit as fuck there. They had, <laughs> had Tony Todd there. They had Sid Hagg. They, you know, they had all of these names that, you know, they, they never had anything too big like Robert England or Kane Hodder, but they had some of the bigger ones that you would love to meet. Well, um, the Troma had a big presence there one year when I was there. And Christ, again, this was 07 or 08, so I was only, what, 20, 21 years old at that point. And I saw Lloyd Kaufman. He was out in the, uh, the, the, the main hall of the hotel and I think he was on his break, you know, he was just drinking his coffee or whatever, and I just went up to him, I didn't even fucking think about it, there was no security at that time, so I just, whatever, so I just rode up to him in my little powered wheelchair at that time, and I just said, hey, you know, I man, I love the Toxic Avenger, and, and you know, Sergeant Kabuki Man is not a bad franchise uh, movie either, you know, turn it into a franchise. And he wasn't mean or anything, he was just really exhausted, because I think he had been at it for, for a few hours at the convention, and he was, you're right, he was a little short, um, he just, I asked him a couple of questions, and he just said, well, buy my book, and you'll get the answers to your questions, <laughs> and I didn't personally get, 
I didn't personally get offended about that, but when I would tell that story to my family or to my friends, they would say, whoa, he was a little bit of a dick, right? And at that time, you know, in my early 20s, I thought, like, yeah, that was kind of a dick thing to say. But now, you know, 10 years later or whatever, it, yes, that he probably did what he should have done. You know, I, I went up to him not when he was at the desk for the signing or anything like that, but I just went up to him in the main hall, whatever. Um, but like I said, I only had one bad experience, and I wouldn't even consider it a bad experience. And maybe he was just having an off day, but the year after, same convention, they had uh, Tom Savini there. And I, I've heard from many people that he's just not a people person. But uh, I went up to him, and I started talking to him, you know, about, oh, my God, I loved you, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, from dusk till dawn. Um, I think at that point, Planet Terror just came out about a year before that or something like that. So, And I was talking about that movie. And, uh, you know, the dawn of the dead when him and his gang was I was just talking about all of this stuff, and you could just tell he didn't give a shit. Either that <laughs> or he was just, you know, in a bad mood or whatever. So I just bought, you know, a poster off of him and got it signed or whatever, and I was on my way. And uh, I think that was the only time I had ever met anybody in the horror world or anything like that that I felt kind of sour after uh, I met him, you know, or them or whatever. Now, uh, I, I have to ask you, Cody, because uh, actually uh, later in the show we actually have an interview with uh, R.A. Myloff, and... um we got talking about conventions, so I'm curious, have you ever met Kane Hodder or guys like him at the conventions? Uh, unfortunately, no. Um, there is a, a convention that they do sometimes, uh, what's it called, Cinema Wasteland, is it called? Uh, they do that in Cleveland. Um, I just talked my friend Brian into taking me this year in October, and I'm hoping that they have someone there that, you know, maybe a Kane Hodder or a Robert Engel. I'd love to meet someone like that. Um, but, no, up to this point, I have not had the opportunity to meet uh, a Kane Hodder or Robert England. Um, the closest thing that I got to meet to, uh, you know, someone that was popular at that time and I would stay with, say would still be popular now uh, was probably Sid Hag. I did get to meet Sid Hag. Uh, the first time I went to this Dark Xmas convention uh, in 07. So it was like a year or so after Devil's Rejects came out. Um, and he was doing some signings and shit. Huge line of people. I got to tell you this one last story, and then we can move on to whatever you guys want to talk about. But um, I finally got up there, and I was nervous as hell. You know, I had no idea what to say to Sid Hag when I was going to meet him. Well, I finally got up there. And he was just, he, also, he wasn't really taking pictures with people, kind of like how Bruce Campbell wasn't uh, back right. in August. But uh, he was signing uh, posters, DVDs, uh, uh, little portraits, pictures, or whatever. Well, I just bought one of those $10, $12 little pictures, and it was a picture of him in the beginning of House of a Thousand Corpses in his uh, clown getup. And uh, he said, well, Cody, I can... Uh, I can sign this in a specific kind of way. I, I can just either put your name or I can put something like a quote from a movie on it or something like that. He said, what would you like me to do? And I said, you know, you can put a quote from, uh, from my favorite movie with you in it, you know, if that's all right. And he said, all right, what would you like me to put? And I said, I thought about it for a second. I was like, fuck your grandma. And everyone <laughs> laughed. He's like, all right, Dan, to Cody, fuck your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> that's that an awesome fun. story. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. No, the whole reason I, I asked that, 
the whole reason I asked that actually, Cody, is because we got talking about um, people being strangled by Kane, and, and RA sometimes does it, and you know, uh, Derek Mears does it. So I was just curious if you ever had an experience like that because I, I know I I actually have met Kane. I met him in uh, Syracuse uh, quite a few years ago now, but uh, I made the mistake uh, of uh, okay, so. You know, they're, they're always sitting at the table or whatnot. I came up. I had a, a Jason hockey mask. I got it signed. And he's like, you want a picture? I was like, fuck yeah, I want a picture. And he stands up. And just without even thinking about it, I was like, huh, I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> because I'm six foot one and 200 pounds. And Kane stands up. And, you know, from the movies and everything, he looks like a fucking monster. And he stands up. And he's got me by like a quarter of an inch. And it's like, I thought you'd be bigger. Oh, man. I... I regretted that for the next three days because my throat fucking like that. The rest of that day, it just hurt to swallow. My throat killed me so bad. But the next two days, it was like it was tender. Like I got throat fucked to death. Oh, well, now that's your fiance's position. <laughs> God damn it. I dropped it. <laughs> that's what you get for insulting the man. <laughs> Um, when you said that, he probably thought to himself, well, thank, thanks a lot, asshole, for reminding me why I didn't get my part in Freddy vs. Jason. <laughs> exactly. See, John, you brought up bad memories, you fucker. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've heard, I've, I've seen that video that, um, that, uh, Mike uploaded, right? Oh, am I thinking of the right one? Yep. Where you got yep. choked by Kane Hodder? Yeah, that's, that's That was one. back in 09. And, yep. um... That was that was a fun video, and it reminded me that I used to hear all the time that people that that's Kane Hodder's signature thing that he'll you know he'll choke uh, your your you know the fan for the picture or whatever. Now I I would imagine that you know because of my physical appearance and the, the fact that I already look like I'm half broken as it is, maybe <laughs> that's why nothing like that has ever happened for me. But hell yeah, if I could get you know Kane Hodder to, to fake choke me for a picture, hell yeah, I would do that. That'd be fucking great. Um, I, I can tell you that he doesn't fake it a whole lot. He may take it easier on you, or he may have just been really rough on me because I made the comment. Yeah, he insulted the man. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll still, uh, I mean, in that video, that was the second time that day that I got choked, so. Ah, there you go. Who was by the, fir oh, by the first? Um, well, no, that was... When I, uh, the first time I got choked was when I actually went up to meet him and it was just me and him at his table. And the second time there I was with, uh, you know, the guy from Phantasm and his table was like right, uh, down the way from Kane's. And he the saw. Man? Yeah, well, no, that, um, uh, well, who is that? That's Mike from Phantasm, Michael Baldwin from Phantasm. Yes, thank that's you, Mike. Right, I was hoping right, you'd right. get the fucking name. No, so, okay. um, no, so that's why, like, in the video when I got choked, like, I was actually with Michael Baldwin at his table, and Kane's table was right there, and, um, Kane saw him, like, you know, just taking a regular picture with me, and Kane's like, no, dude, you gotta choke him, and he's like, I'm not gonna choke him, and he's like, no, 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 come on, I'll show you how to do it, so then he gets up from the table, and that's when he walked over, and, you know, in the video and all that stuff, so. Okay. Yeah, and so you didn't even know that video was taken. I had no idea. No idea. Wow. If if I would have known, I had, you know, it would have been online. I would have posted it 
years yeah. ago if I knew that. And here we are nine years later, and then, oh, there it is. It showed up. He found it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wanted to bring up to you guys, because I, I really didn't know exactly how this was going to go, so I have been thinking to myself all week and long, like, what could I talk about with you guys? I wanted okay. to mention, um, Friday night, and I've been wanting to watch this for the last couple of years, but I finally got to watch the producer's cut of Halloween 6. The oh, other oh night. shit. Oh, God. Yeah. And um, I did rent it, because I just want to throw... Me, John, me and you talked about this plenty of times in private, but I want to say this out loud for everyone to hear. Fuck piracy. I do not believe in piracy whatsoever. And if anybody out there is pirating movies, fuck you for pirating movies. Stop it. You know? So, like... I, I pitched out my three bucks to rent uh, uh, the producer's cut on Fandango now. I got an app for that on my Roku. Uh, and again, I don't really have the money to be buying that entire uh, Halloween set just to watch the producer's cut. So I finally uh, rented it. Um, and I watched it with a buddy of mine who prepared me of what it was and all that. And um, I, you know, he gave me his opinions on it and all that stuff, and I watched it for myself. And uh, much like my buddy says, and I agree, the... It's poorly edit- edited, in my opinion. Uh, the music choice is a terrible compared to the theatrical version, in my opinion. Um, but goddamn, I loved some of the extra scenes. And uh, one of my favorite scenes in the uh, producer's cut that I prefer over the theatrical version of this scene was the beginning where the family was having their little dispute and the father slaps her in the face and then her son puts the uh the his the knife to his stomach well in the producer's cut it made so much more sense because uh that that vo- when the voice uh you know the thorn guy said you know danny you kill for me or kill for him or something like that and it just it, the subtext to it or the context of it just was so much better and it just made so much more sense and i gotta tell you if it wasn't for the fact that the film seemed poorly edited compared to the uh, the theatrical version, I would, might have actually preferred this version over the other version, even though the kills are not quite as graphic and gruesome and bloody and all that. But you know what? Halloween never was never built on gore. You know, let's be honest about that. The, the original had hardly no gore in it at all, and it's considered one of the best uh, original horror movies of all time. So I wasn't bothered by the fact that the, the kill scenes were less. Uh, I mean, less gory, less graphic in the producer's cut. Um, and I tell you, one last thing I want to add here before I get you guys' thoughts on this is that uh, I, I kind of compare it to how, you know, because obviously the studio made them change Halloween 6 or whoever made them change. I should have did a little bit more research on this before I talked to you guys tonight. But apparently it was changed, and they came up with, they did reshoots, and they did the theatrical version, and that's the version that everyone widely knows, knows today of, the, of Halloween Part 6. Well, I think that one of the reasons that happened is because, you know, obviously no one wants to accept the fact that Michael Myers impregnated his sister. Like, you know, because that's, that's, what, that's what they were going for with that, right? right? That you never actually saw it happen, but that's what they were trying to allude to. And, you know, it's kind of like how they changed Freddy Krueger in the beginning from a child molester to a child killer. You know, because back in 84, I believe Wes Craven or someone wanted uh, Freddy Krueger to be a child molester. And then at the last minute, either New Line Cinema or someone, maybe Robert Shea or whoever, said, no, no, we got he's got to be a child killer. If he's a child molester, we ain't taking this franchise nowhere, probably. Um, so 
I, I view uh, the producer's cut of Halloween 6 as a movie that tried to go into business for itself. You know, it tried to be something completely different um, than even what, even what Part 5 was trying to hint at. Because, you know, you had your little subtle hints here and there in Part 5, especially with the end of it where, uh, that, you know, the Thorn guy broke Michael Myers out of prison and all that. But I liked it. It was worth my three bucks. Um, I didn't appreciate the editing uh, portion of it, but, man, it, it was like a whole new movie that I was watching. And it was, uh, you know, we ain't talking about the killer cut of 2009's Friday the 13th remake where it was a minute and a half of extra gore. You know, this was, <laughs> the producer's cut of Halloween 6 is a whole new movie. And, uh, man, I loved it. Like, I loved it just because I got to watch it for the first time. I still don't feel it's like it's my favorite cut of the film. I do feel that the theoretical is the best. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there and, and see if you guys had any thoughts about that. Well, well, Mike, before you go off, allow me to go because you're going to suck this thing's cock like no one's business. Cody, you probably don't know this, but this is Mike's favorite film ever made. So, all of it? Like, out of all movies or just the Halloween movies? All movies. Uh, every film of all time. Oh, Halloween 6 is wow. my ultimate favorite film. Okay, theatrical yeah. or producer's cut. Well, see, I like, I mean, I like all of it. I've, I mean, I guess, see, I like either cut. I guess it's because, I don't know, the theatrical, that's just, that's that's different for me. I guess because that's the one that I saw first. Because I didn't see the producer's cut until 1999, I think. You can probably actually even tell you the date. Uh, No, actually, I don't remember that. (laughs) Unfortunately. I wish I did. I wish I did. Real quick, I just want to say, I think I do remember John uh, poking a little fun at you uh, maybe a couple of months ago on, uh, on the page on the Rabbit and Red group page about how Halloween 6 was your favorite movie. And I thought it was a fucking joke. I'm <laughs> nothing against it. I definitely, and I'll say this right now, I think Halloween 6 is in my personal top three favorite of Halloween films. I want to stress that, I, you know, at Halloween films only. Um, you guys might shit your pants if I end up telling you which one is my favorite one out of all. Although I think we had this debate a couple of months ago also on another thread. But yeah, I agree with you to a certain extent. Halloween 6 has got a lot going for it. I, I love it in a lot of ways. I think Michael Myers' mask looks awesome in that one. Yeah, no, that, is my, fa- yeah, that is my favorite mask, I think, too. I love the way right. he did that. I, you know, and I don't think I appreciated it as much up until I watched the producer's cut just a few days ago, but I love the sound effects and the music in the theoretical version. One of the, re- uh, one of the scenes that fell way too short for me in this producer's cut version is, um, God, I'm sorry, I can't remember the mother's name, but when she went back over to her parents' house and found her sister and uh, her boyfriend, huh? Karen, I believe. Kara, that's right. Kara. Yeah, yeah. When she, uh, yeah, when she uh, found her sister and uh, her boyfriend in, in her bed and she threw back the covers, when she was creeping up to him in the theoretical version, that music was so fucking scary. And the music was what scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Not so much the fact that she was about to reveal their dead bodies, it was the way the music tensed up and the, and the, the effects and the sound effects that went along with it. But, man, the one annoyance that I have with the producers kind of that film is just that, 
you just hear way too much of the original, you know, that. You hear way too much of that and the producer's cut when in the theoretical you have a little bit more to it than than just that part of the theme. So, I I don't know. I'm sorry, I can't keep cutting you guys off on it. I just, I have, because it's fresh in my mind, you know. I just watched it two days ago. I was like, oh, yeah, I can can talk about this on when they have me as a guest on their show in a couple of days. Yeah, no, um, uh, for myself, I, I went back uh, this last October, and I actually watched all the Halloween films. And uh, for me, the producer's cut has a lot going for it, although I do prefer the theatrical cut. Um, yeah. I, I agree that the, the, the editing is not good. I, I agree the soundtrack is not good. However, I, I think that uh, the, the way the story is told it comes off so much better and the characters through that actually make fucking sense and come off so much better with this producer's cut. However, the third act is where it kind of loses me with the, the fucking rune stones trapping Michael. That's, that's, that's just a bit too much for me. It's just, he's this unstoppable force of pure evil unless you lay pebbles down in front of him. Right. And I agree with that. I, I was thinking the same thing the other night when I was watching it was that, that yeah, that final uh the final ten, fifteen minutes of it just fell short. Um and it it was. It was a little too far fetched. Um and plus I missed I, I was missing a couple of scenes from the theatrical that I didn't un- I realized that wasn't in the producers cut. Um, one of my favorite scenes in the theoretical version is when the lights are flickering on and off and he's destroying those fucking doctors and nurses right. in that room. That scene was fucking brutal. Um, and, and that sucks that that's not in this version. Um, and then a couple other tidbit things here and there that they added into the theoretical. But, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Is the characters have so much more merit to them. They, they just mean so much more and you understand a lot more. Um, and I actually like the fact that uh is it jamie lloyd is, is what her character in the beginning uh she she doesn't die in the very beginning when the producer's cut it, it gets dragged out a little bit until halfway through the movie um and then Th- the thorn guy win and then win kills her essentially um which was kind of a weak end for her but man i almost got emotional when loomis had that emotional moment with both her getting dragged away from the scene of the crime uh, the crime scene when she was still alive, he got emotional, and then when he, they found her dead in the hospital room, and he said, oh, man, I, I failed you again, Jamie, and oh, man, I almost got teary-eyed. And I, I get teary-eyed very easily when I'm watching TV. I'm an overly emotional person when it comes to cinema or TV or anything that has an emotional investment in it. I get emotional overly easy. Um, and so, yeah, I like that part. Like, in the theoretical, there wasn't as much... It's like he didn't care by that point in the, in the theoretical version of Part 6, you know? Yeah, I completely agree there. Uh, I, I think after 5, that this film completely redeems Donald because he's just such a fucking asshole in that film. Like, his, his character is just horrible. <laughs> it was... What's the fucking joke here between you two? Because you, you, you made a Donald Pleasant uh, death joke earlier today, I just saw, that I, I laughed at. <laughs> well, Donald Pleasant is Michael's favorite actor uh, because, uh, well, Mike, why don't you explain it? Explain it to me, buddy. Explain it. Um, is, there an ex- is there really an explanation for it? I don't know. 
I, I think I think just through talking to you and getting to know you, Mike, I think it is because you kind of viewed Mr. Pleasance and Halloween and all his films as kind of like your protector. He was protecting you from the again. You know? I mean... The um, bad Michael Myers, the force of pure evil with the mask, well, that because, emotionless well, mask coming, stalking you, and Donald was always there to stop him. Well, because you look at it, when I watched the original Halloween, I was six years old, so um, I couldn't watch it, like, I couldn't look at his mask until, like, the last 15 minutes of the movie. The rest of the movie, I could never look at it, but the last 15 minutes, of course, Loomis was there, so Loomis always, you know, he was just there. And, um, I don't know. But uh, I didn't start, like, <clears throat> getting into any, any of his other roles until after he died, so that was different. But Once you became fully obsessed with him. Well, yeah, I guess on that level, you could, you could say that. <laughs> That's why I hated I H2O. Add, I just want to add real quick here. Um, with the producer's cut ending, what's showing the foreign sign showing up on, uh, on, Donald Pleasant's wrist and all that, and him letting out that stupid-ass shriek and that noise, that was very disappointing compared to, you know, the theoretical when you heard him screaming, you just thought Michael Myers was butchering his ass or something like that, you know? Like, it, sometimes it's best to leave it to the imagination what's going on than to actually show it, because when I was watching that very ending, and it just showed up on his wrist, and he just started whining and hollering, and I'm like, oh my god, that's it? Like, that's what happened? Good con. I, I don't know. I kind of like that little turn of events where, you know, he spent, what, the last three decades of his life fighting this guy, and then all of a sudden he's tied to him. Like, it's now his mission to protect him. It's like, that that's just a kick in the balls right there. Uh, you know what? I didn't even think about it like that, but now that you say it like that, that does make total sense. Yeah, now I'm really thinking about it. I guess I would whine and, and hoot and holler like that, too, like he did. Yeah, but you're right. <laughs> I didn't finish the movie until five thirty in the morning the other the other morning, so that's probably why I didn't really think about it too deeply like that. But um, I don't know. I think it's just because up to this point, I thought that he got killed like in the movie, like like that in the theatrical, and then it turned out it was like that. But you're right; it definitely had a better meaning to it than I even realized when I first seen it. Now it makes total sense. Thank you, John. See, you taught me something. <laughs> See, that's what you know, Rabbit and Red's all about. We actually teach people some shit every once in a while, you know? I appreciate that, guys. Now, if you just teach me how to walk, everything would be great. Uh, Mike hasn't even got that one down. Yeah. Um, oh. I lost it. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't lose it. I never had it. What the fuck am I talking about? I, I wanted to tell you guys also, because uh, when I was thinking about it the other night after I watched the producer's fight, you know, one of the things that interested me big time all the years growing up, and even now into adulthood, is I do like the concept of uh, movies having different versions to them. You know, um, one of my best examples, because it's my favorite movie of all time, which is Army of Justice, and you know, there's a theoretical version, a director's cut, an international cut, a TV cut. And, you know, John, me and you had a good debate about this, you know, two, three years ago about uh, what's the definitive uh, version of Army of Darkness. But, um, you know, it, when I was a kid, I didn't understand that there was anything different about it. I didn't know there was different versions of movies. I just thought that you had a movie and that, that was that. You know, I right. knew that movies aired on television, and I knew that TV networks kind of blurred out words or somehow replaced it with, you know, 
you know, you, you replace the word shit with the, the word shoot or crap or something like that. And that was kind of a TV network type of thing. And, and I knew that as a kid for early teams or whatever. But I, outside of that, I did not know that there's a such thing as um, actual versions of movies. Um, so when I was a kid, and, and even still to this day, and I, I believe me, I know it's cheesy and it's not a good movie, but one of my favorite uh, straight horror films of all time is actually uh, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. And it was just one of those movies that stuck with me from when I was a kid, and I loved it all those years, and just whatever. Like, I love the movie to death. Well, when I was a kid, before I bought the movie, I rented it from our local video store. And it, 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 I, was, I was so used to the movie. I knew it word for word. I knew all the scenes because we, I would rent it probably. My mom would probably let me rent it a couple of times a month, you know. So then finally, uh, we had a Suncoast. Uh, in our mall, I don't know if anyone knows what Suncoast was. It was a video store back then. You guys know what Suncoast yes. was, right? Yeah, yeah. I so, do. Uh, I was just saying, yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, finally, after I would say, man, maybe probably three months or something like that, my mom and my dad just said, oh, fuck, we'll just buy them the movie instead of renting it for you know, three or four bucks, you know, twice a month or whatever. Well, when I bought the movie, Again, I had no fucking clue what, what the difference was, but I then come to find out that when I was renting it from the video store, it was the unrated version of Hellraiser 3, which ran, at, I think, 97 minutes long. Yeah. And when we bought it from Suncoast, it was the rated R version. It, was, it, was, uh, it ran only at 91 minutes long. And then, like, I, even at, like, 12, 13 years old, I felt the difference. I... I was like, where's the scene that that I like? Where's that big club scene where everyone dies? And it like, where, where is all of that stuff? And it was a big deal at that time to me because I didn't understand how to explain it to my mom. And, you know, my parents didn't understand the difference between any of that stuff. So I just tried to tell my mom, like, there's scenes missing in this movie. This, this movie is defective. Like, <laughs> Oh, I mean, like, I had a bunch of times when I was a kid, we would take the video back and try to exchange it at Suncoast, and the first couple of times they let us do it, uh, and then after that, the, the the manager just said, look, there's nothing wrong with these CHS tapes, like, we, we can't exchange this for you no more. Um, and then, you know, when I got a little older, then I realized, like, holy shit, that, that's when I really learned about the MPAA and how fucking evil they are, and, uh, you know, just the fact that you get an R-rated cut of some movies, and some of those movies you also get... A, an unrated version or a director's cut of, of it. So growing up and still to this day, I love uh, looking into things like that and researching, uh, you know, what the difference is. There's actually a website that I go to. I think it's called moviecensorship.com, and it's actually a website that compares uh, all the known versions of most movies that you can think of. You know, of course, there's some here and there that's not going to be on there, but for the most part, this website has a very good comparison uh, and, and with uh, screenshots and good descriptions and all that. Yeah, so it's a good website to check out, and uh, I love that shit. I, I love the idea that uh, there's different versions of movies because I, I like to educate my friends on certain things like that. You know, if they have a favorite movie, and it's like, oh, did you know that there is this version of it? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I completely agree, and. Uh... You know, I, I, I've actually had a similar experience. Um, my parents weren't kind enough to actually return the VHS. But, yeah, I've had similar experiences where it's just like, wait, 
this isn't the same. Like, uh, the the biggest one that stands out in my mind, is, well, there, there's two. When I was real young, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because going from watching it on TV to VHS, there's slight little differences, and it, it boggled my mind at such a young age. Yeah. But yeah. later... There's TV um, cuts. You're right about that. There's TV cuts that have but, uh, more stuff in it sometimes. Yeah. Than, uh, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just remembered that when you were saying it. Yeah, and then... Um, when I was older, uh, I would similarly rent uh, films all the time, and one of my favorites was um, Jason Goes to Hell. It just came uh, out, and I thought it was fucking cool, and my uh, video store had the unrated cut, and I yeah. fucking loved it, and then you know, I asked my parents, and finally I got the VHS, I'm watching it, and it's like, this isn't the same. Where's the scene where the chick gets split in half? And, you know, so... Yeah, it was a very similar experience for me. Yeah, yeah, you know, Jason Goes to Hell was also another one that I was a, a victim of that type of you know situation too. And then the only other situation I can think of uh, was uh, Nightmare Part Five, The Dream Child, because you know there's also a, it's not an official like there's nothing official in in this country I think for it except for bootlegs, but uh, there is an unrated version of. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, the dream child floating around somewhere out there. And it, it has probably just another two extra minutes of gore in it. But one of the scenes is when he's uh, feeding, I think Loretta, her name is. She's, he's feeding herself to her, you know, like from the doll. Right. It's feeding her guts. And you don't get to really see that all that much in the R-rated version of, of the dream child. So, yeah, th- those are my three uh, examples, too. Uh, Hellraiser 3, uh Jason goes to hell just like you, and um, and yeah, and Nightmare Part Five, uh, and I'm sure there's other ones that just doesn't stick out in my mind at the moment. Right? But, yeah, as a kid, you don't really understand that. You just you see that R rating, and you think, oh yeah, this is the pits, you know, this is <laughs> everything that you can think of included. And nowadays, as adults, you kind of know, like, yeah, it's it's basically like PG thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> so. Mm. All right, well, real quick before we get to the interview, I, I just want to put out there and, and ask everyone what their thoughts are on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise because, as I said, we have an interview coming up with R.A. Myloff, and uh, the dude's one hell of a guy. I had a great conversation with him. I hope you guys all enjoy it, but I, I just wanted to touch upon that because, um, A, you know, obviously he stars in Leatherface, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, but... It's such a great franchise that it boggles my mind it's not talked about enough. And it really, I've really noticed it within like the last two, two, maybe three years. Uh, people not really associating the original with being a slasher. And that boggles my mind because to me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has always been a slasher franchise. And, you know, it, it meets all the tropes. You know, it, it's a group of kids in an isolated spot. It, uh, being chased by a masked maniac. I, I don't understand where people draw the separation yeah. between that and like Halloween or something like that. But I, I just wanted to real quick touch upon that franchise before we moved on. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I'm just going to be completely honest with you guys. I, I When Mike uh, messaged me the other day and he mentioned Texas Chainsaw, I fucking, I looked everywhere for if I had, and I'm just going to be honest, I, I'm not too brushed up either on my Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise knowledge either, 
but I remember enough about the original that uh, it was just clever. It, it, Tobe Hooper, uh, Tobe Hooper, uh, however you pronounce his name, I'm sorry, he's the one that did the original one, right? Right. Tobe Hooper. Um, and, and from what I remember, it, it didn't come off as your typical uh, uh, like one-dimensional type of slasher. It was done in a little bit of more of a clever way. I don't know if that's why maybe people uh, separate it from a slasher, the slasher genre. Um, so I remember p- bits and pieces of that one, and then I did see uh, part three because again, and it co- kind of goes back to the fact that I was always intrigued by unrated cuts and rated cuts of movies. I think there is an unrated cut of part three, so I bought the DVD that had both versions on it. So I do remember bits and pieces of part three. Um, and I did enjoy the one where that girl put t- took her fucking the gun out of her crotch and blew her brains out in the car. That was that the beginning or was that a different one? Oh, uh, that's the movie? remake. That's the remake. Oh, uh, okay. And then the beginning, it was called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The beginning was that what right. that was called? Yeah. I enjoyed that one. Um, I enjoyed the kills in it. I enjoyed the pacing of it. Now. The last one that I saw, because I don't, I didn't see the most recent one, and I apologize about that. I should have been caught up on it, but I did see the one where they tried to humanize uh, Leatherface, and they tried to make him to into a more of a sympathetic character. And at the end of the movie, me and my friends just kind of looked at each other like, "Why? Like, is that <laughs> really what we wanted? Like, I don't know." <laughs> it was in 3D too, so I had a fucking headache from watching it in 3D. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, Michael, you got anything on this? Uh, the original I liked. The second one, I think I liked the second one too. Three I liked. Four, Next Generation. Mm-hmm. It's been a few years. I don't really fucking remember it, but it's not <laughs> my favorite. Uh, the remake I thought was excellent. The beginning, I'm with. I love that one. The ending of that one, I I thought was really really good. The ending of that one is excellent. Just how, like, she, like, gets it, that Jordana Brewster, I guess, and then she gets it, and fucking Leatherface just gets out and fucking walks away. I'm like, yes, the fucking villain wins. That is perfect. That is what I want. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D. And I didn't see Leatherface yet either, because I just, I heard it was bad, so I'm kind of avoiding it just because I heard it sucked. It's it's I mean, it's not horrible. I mean, it, it's it's definitely Seth more in vain. The Death Wish remake. <clears throat> it's more in vain with uh, uh, kind of the tone of the original, just kind of that that crude insanity and, and violent gore that you at least uh, imagine. And uh, it, it's it's okay. Um, they could have made it a little bit better, but out of the grand scheme of it, it's it's definitely not one of the worst. Um, for me, the the first actually the very first time I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a long time ago on VHS, and I didn't even remember it. Um, and then I went back and rewatched it. Uh, actually, I believe it was in preparation for a previous show where we interviewed. Uh, the, the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D um, because it's supposed to be a direct follow-up to the original and I actually didn't like it then but since then I've gone back and I've watched it two or three times and I think the reason I didn't like it then is it actually kind of hit me on an emotional level and it just affected me and that film to me now is fantastic it, it's 
possibly one of my favorite slasher films. It, it, it might be number one. I mean, that changes almost every day, but that, that film <laughs> is, is near perfect. Um, the second one, I don't like. They took it too fucking jokey. Oh, you stop it. The second I, one is great. That that gets me every single time when you, you come with this hard, rock-hard, throbbing cock, and you're just like, I'm going to fuck everything up. Yeah. And then you come up dressed like a clown with a floppy half-hard on, like, yeah, let's have I fun. I don't about no, him. I, I want to be I, Bill Mosley from I, 2. I don't want that shit. I, you, you keep giving me the, the I'm going to fuck everything up bullshit, you know, keep some of that don't just be like hey let's just have fun i love cocaine we know toby hooper we know i saw life force <laughs> I um know that he was doing cocaine while making life force what is your problem have you fucking seen life force there's pretty much cocaine on the negative no because the fucking shout factory blu-ray is is i think i got a defective disc and i should send it back but it's already opened and i lost the receipt so fuck it uh hey, it hey. is is appreciate, I'm sorry. Do you guys appreciate Shout Factory's transfers of most movies? I, I think they do actually a pretty decent job. The only one that I'm aware of that that is competing really, I think, is is Arrow. I mean, uh, Vinegar Syndrome, but they so rarely actually put out like a a good horror film. Mm-hmm. They have it. They have a pretty good reputation, I think, for. You know, they, they don't let the fans down uh, what we're looking for, because what we're looking for is them to resurrect hidden gems and cult classics and all kinds of movies that uh, that we want, but we also want extra stuff. We want right. you know, roll out the red carpet for us for, for bonus features and interviews and commentary and all that. So, you know, I follow Shout Factory, especially their horror label, uh, Scream Factory. Um, I, I especially follow them because, you know, they, they have a lot of stuff that I enjoy. But... Um, I, I don't know. Like, I just wanted to make a note of that real quick on the show too. That uh, I think Shout Factory is kick ass, and uh, I think you know, in general, I think they do a good job for what people want them to do. And and as as a host of Rabbit and Red, for anyone from Shout Factory listening, we wholly endorse you. We love you with every ounce of our heart. And if you want to sponsor us, we would greatly appreciate that. Or just take free Blu-rays, whichever. Uh, yeah. Um. Yep. But I will say this though, Arrow did just put out a really kick-ass um, basket case Blu-ray. I got to tell you, that is well worth the money. I Have you watched that. it yet? Um, <laughs> I've scanned through it, and I've just <laughs> I looked at the list of but no, because I need the fucking TV in the living room to be open so I can watch it on the fucking good TV. I'm not gonna watch a fucking. 4K sourced transfer on a shitty TV. It's just not going to happen. Hey, uh, basket case. The, the the creature in that thing. That's uh, that's pretty much what a lot of handicapped people look like in real life. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's somebody. You know what? I would aspire to be Belial if I could. Well, then at least you'd actually fucking accomplish something, Michael. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to be. When I grow All up, right. I'm going to be Belial, bitch. <laughs> and on that note, uh, Cody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, right now we're going to take a little break, and then we will be back with an amazing interview. Well, not amazing, um, but a pretty goddamn good interview. Wait, with, wait, wait, uh, but it's amazing. What? Not amazing. It's amazing, John. Yeah. Amazing. Well, you know, if you could actually uh, step up and be some talent on the mic... People would actually give a shit what you say, Mike. So. Yeah, maybe. 
it, it, it's not. It doesn't look too good that you talk a lot less than your guest on your fucking show. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, come on, Michael. Yes. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. I would love to come back in the future and talk more with you guys. I'd love it. Oh my god, most definitely, buddy. Most definitely. Yeah, absolutely. We will definitely I'm be sure hitting we you up to come back. We could have talked another three more fucking hours. We didn't even get into the topic of wrestling and all that shit. Next time, when you guys get me back on the phone, next time we'll uh. We'll talk a little more about wrestling and, and whatnot and how we all feel about that world. Well, well like how, that. how about this? Let, let's make a plan right now, Cody. Why don't we hook up uh, again for an episode after WrestleMania, and then we can talk about that travesty? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, it probably will be a travesty. <laughs> you know you're a Roman Reigns lover. You know it. Ah, fuck now, man. Uh, there, there's yeah. a reason that I have a picture of me and AJ Styles. <laughs> yeah but hey i i love that idea um you know me and my friend brian we do a our own little wrestling podcast show it's it we only got probably about 12 people that watch it but uh it's called the friends talk wrestling podcast we do it uh once a month for the pay-per-view but yes i would love to come on here and talk to you guys again maybe talk a little bit about wrestlemania like you said and maybe talk about how we feel about the product in general uh, maybe and have another conversation for about an hour or so. I'd love it. I I think this is awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. It was fun shit. Yeah, not a problem, Cody. Definitely and now, everyone, uh, sit back and enjoy the interview with R.A. Myloff. Wait, not an interview. We do the Rabbit and Red Rewind first, then the interview. Nobody gives a shit about that. Nobody. <laughs> about blu-ray and like we always keep saying what you're gonna get that you know vince we should really stop because i learned a couple things about mike last week that pretty much he treats blu-ray like they're dvds i mean it's really not a big deal anymore like he has over 200 blu-rays already i do yeah and i think there's about 201 that are out there right (laughs) no there's more than that uh, there's 207 to be exact. He's like Rayman of Blu-rays. He is. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, so waiting for you to test about... my Blu-ray IQ. I will. Okay, Mike, I was thinking about putting it on uh, Bullet with uh, Steve McQueen. 102 minutes. Definitely 102 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I can get it at Kmart. Kmart, seven dollars forty nine cents. Definitely, definitely Kmart. Yeah, I know. I gotta get that yet. I've wanted to get it's it for like, a long okay. time. It's Creepshow 2 on Blu-ray. Creepshow's not on Blu-ray. Definitely not Blu-ray. Get on a Disney <laughs> Max. <laughs> the first one's on Blu-ray, though. Who's on first? What's on second? I, I, I don't know who's on a third. <laughs> De- definitely. The, fir- the first one has Ed Harris. Ed Harris is in it. Ted Danson. Cheers. Cheers, 830. 830's Cheers. It's, it's a movie. It's on Blu-ray. <laughs> one hour, 59 minutes. Stephen King. <laughs> No, Creep, the original Creep Show is on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. yeah. i got to get it yet, but it is on oh, Mike, Blu-ray. When is um, Return of the Living Dead coming out? It is out, actually. It came out Return on... Return of the Living Dead is already out. You should, you should check your facts. It's already out there. Definitely out there. Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead. He's he had two different comments, He passed away. But the young doing is, he did it. Over an hour and a half time. But if you if you put the deleted scenes, that's an hour forty three. Definitely an hour forty three. Get over Best Buy, definitely Best Buy. Seven dollars nine nine cents. It's Sunday. You have it, Mike? I do wanna get it. I haven't gotten it yet. But I definitely I wanna pick it up. Have a coupon. If I get ten percent off of eleven ninety nine, that's gonna save me at least a dollar. Definitely a dollar. <laughs> I got the reward zone. I am reward zone, dude. I'm a, I'm a friggin' um, much, platinum how, I'm a platinum silver member or whatever the hell it is. How much money do they send you silver. back? Uh, well, to they, reach they the um, back. to reach the platinum silver thing, you have to spend like twenty five hundred a year, and I have um what I have already. Uh, my membership has been re-upped. Uh, I'm good until uh, February of two thousand and twelve now. Definitely, definitely 2012. World's <laughs> going to end in 2012. Summer 3rd to be exact. But I spent over $2,500. But if you break that down with the percentage, I get sometimes I get 10% back from these things. So I'm really getting $250 every time I spend 200 <laughs> Do the math, 10%, 10%, 50%. Definitely that much. I think it's a good deal. You've got to pass by. It was incorporated in 1995. One, one, one worldwide. Very little Blu-ray. I think it's a Blu-ray. Sometimes I put it on my PlayStation 3 player. Not very reliable, so I use a Samsung. Definitely a Samsung. It's a lot better. It's a lot faster. It's a lot good. I get more megabytes and gigabytes per second, but I go through it on my computer. Definitely not my computer. I can't do that. Uh-oh. Troll 2 is on. Troll 2. It's a Blu-ray.
So, Ra, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your day to join us. Absolutely, Mike. My pleasure. So, um, you know, uh, Leatherface just got a Blu-ray release. So I, I kind of wanted to touch upon that a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I kind of think that's one of the roles you're absolutely best known for. Because I, I know, to me, as as a fan of the horror and slasher genre, um, your portrayal of Leatherface is one of the ones that people talk about. Well, that's very kind of you to say, and to answer the first part of your question statement. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that's my biggest claim to fame. What I'm best known for uh, uh, is playing Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And uh, I loved every minute of it. Well, if you, if you don't mind, actually, how did you uh, how'd you come to play Leatherface? Well, Mike, I would like to tell you that uh, I went to a very prestigious drama school that I applied myself diligently uh, to my studies, uh, graduated with an MFA, and then went to Hollywood and pounded the pavement. Uh, and, you know, the cream would rise to the top. Eventually, I would, uh, you know, be recognized for my talent. That's what I would like to tell you. <laughs> but but I, I am compelled to tell the truth. And the simple, the purest, simplest fact of the matter is uh, I knew director Jeff Burr. Uh, and I, I am 99.9% positive if I hadn't known him, I would have never even been seen for the role. Now, let me go back a little bit deeper. It's not as cavalier as it seems. Uh, I had, I'd met Jeff. I had done his student uh, thesis film at uh, University of Southern California Film School. Uh, you know, so that we established that working uh, friendship way back then. And when he was hired to, to direct the movie, he offered the part, and rightfully so, he offered it to Gunner. Right. And uh, and Gunner was unable to successfully uh, negotiate a deal that made him happy, so that left the part open. And I, and I really was uh, in our circle, Jeff Burr and my circle of friends. I was the next logical person for the role. So Gunner's, Gunner's uh, 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 negotiation fail was my win, you know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I got to tell you truthfully, I'm I'm glad, you know. I mean, I would have stepped in the role anytime, and I would have been just as happy if Gunner would have gotten it, if you know what I mean, because Gunner and I became good friends. Uh, and you know, I don't know how my, if Gunner had done the role. I don't know how my life would have, you know, turned out. Uh, I'm sure quite differently, but the fact is, he didn't. He didn't reprise the role. Left it open, and I was selected. And like I said, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I call it the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> so, when the film initially came out, how how did you uh, how did you take the reaction from it? Um, I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Oh, I was just saying that when uh, Leatherface initially came out, how were how was uh, it initially embraced? How how did you feel the the fans reacted to your portrayal? Uh, you know, I don't know. You've got to remember when that, when it came out, there wasn't the the social media connection there was now, um, and 
you know, came out, all, all I could uh, gauge really was, uh, you know, box office results that came out uh, number 11 we could open. I think, I think if we had opened on our original date of November 3rd, 1989, I think we certainly would have been in the top 10 uh, as it was because of the uh, trouble with the uh, MPAA. You know, we we lost our release date and they had to push it back to the. Uh, I, what are the? It's the dog days of summer. What are, what are the days of winter? That the. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not yeah, the dog days yeah. of summer, but the the cat days of winter or something. I don't know, but you know, <laughs> in, that, in that in that sort of dumping time uh, right after Christmas, you know. Yeah, not not really the ideal spot. <laughs> yeah, and still we you know we came out number eleven, which. I thought it was pretty damn good, all things considered. And uh, I actually thought I had signed a contract option, keyword option, to do four and five as well. And I, you know, remember that song, "My Future So Bright I Have to Wear Shades." Right. I was walking around. I was walking around with sunglasses twenty-four hours a day. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you know, I, I I had actually heard, uh, you know, some uh, some new line suit who had been out to the set and joined us for dinner one night, several of them actually, they were talking that they wanted, uh, you know, Texas Chainsaw to be the next uh, franchise a la Nightmare on Elm Street. And man, I was, ready, I was ready for that Nantucket sleigh ride, let me tell you. <laughs> so what do you think happened that uh, you didn't get to A, reprise the role and, and Leatherface never really got to get the franchise treatment that, you know, Elm Street and Halloween and Friday the 13th did? Well, I can tell you what I found out years later. Uh, there were two very highly placed women in, uh, you know, the upper upper management of New Line that hated horror films, thought they were below New Line's uh, dignity, and they wanted nothing to do with... Uh, promoting the success of the movie uh, and uh, you know that hurt that hurt very badly when you have when you have your people uh, you know not only work not working for the success of the film but actually you know hoping for failure it, it, it's not very good uh, ironically both of those women it's my understanding both of those women subsequently went on to direct horror films themselves <laughs> <laughs> so, so much for that. But yeah, so, you know, I mean, it was just, uh, uh, you know, I think that, I think that was probably one of the biggest, uh, contributing factors to them not going forward with the sequels. I mean, it, it, it made its money back, you know, so why not go on? Right. Now, do you know if there was any scripts at the time or, or any discussions like uh, that? No, I don't think there, you know, the only discussion uh, that I heard was directly uh, party to was, again, when some of the suits were out at the set one night, they were discussing whether to do a facial re, uh, facial reveal uh, during number three. And somebody said, no, let's save it for the next one. You know? Oh, okay, okay. So... 
So I kind of felt, you know, when I was doing the movie, uh, like I said, I really felt like it would be just a matter of time before I got, you know, back in the back in the uh, saddle, so to speak. So if you don't mind me asking, being a fan of the film, I'm I'm just kind of curious, what is your favorite part of it? Well, I mind very much, and I take exception to that question. <laughs> I'm, I'm just screwing with you, Mike. Screwing <laughs> with you. That's what the, you're here to ask questions. I don't mind. You can ask me anything. I may not answer, but you can ask. Uh, <laughs> now, repeat the question. I forgot it already. Oh, I was just asking, uh, what was actually your favorite part of the film? Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, yes, I can, t- I can tell you exactly what my favorite part was. Uh, like I said earlier, Jeff Burr and I have a, a large circle of mutual friends, and uh, yeah, the there was one particular night when they did the opening scene, the body pit sequence. Okay. Uh, several, uh, Jeff was able to hire several of our friends, you know, for that scene, and that that was just such a sublime moment for me. I, I wasn't even working that night. I rode out just to hang out, you know. Uh, and just to be with all my friends because everything I ever wanted to be be in Hollywood making movies with my friends bam right. there it was so that was probably the best uh, moment of all and you know speaking of friends uh, you worked with uh, Kane Hodder on that film I believe correct uh, Jesus you had to bring that up didn't you <laughs> <laughs> yes that, that's when I first met Kane Otter, and uh, we've been uh, nagging on each other since then. <laughs> well, you guys have actually gone on to, to work together again with um, Hatchet 2, correct? Uh, we've done se- Actually, we've done several, several films together. Uh, we did another movie for Jeff Burr called Pumpkinhead 2. Right. I uh, forgot Kane was on that one. Yeah, Kane. But we didn't. We weren't even on the set at the same time on that one. But we were still in it together separately. Uh, Hatchet Two, of course. Uh, John Schneider's Smothered, which is which is funny as hell, isn't it? <laughs> I'm telling you, John Schneider's a great writer, man. I love that guy. Uh, uh, oh yes, and we're we're both in Death House, the soon to be released. Uh, um, multi multi mega horror heavyweight starring movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm actually curious what can you tell us about that one because I keep hearing all the buzz about it and I'm actually excited to see it but I just don't well, know can... a whole lot <laughs> well join the club I don't know a whole lot either <laughs> <laughs> I uh, uh I know that I, uh, I'm not going to, this is not telling uh, tales out of school because the director has been showing it in clips everywhere he goes to promote the film. Uh, I kill Kane and then Kane kills me and we both do each other very gruesomely. <laughs> and that was, it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I pull Kane's guts out and he, and it, they explode and it's like a rain, you know, a shower of blood and guts. Uh, uh, and then I start walking. I, I start to walk away with you know his intestines in my hand, and what I don't see is he actually reincarnates. 
instantaneously. Uh, and he stands up and starts talking, and you know, I just watched. I just watched his abdomen explode. You know, and now he's talking. So uh, we kind of get chin to chin, you know, mad dogging each other, and then uh, I I kind of get overwhelmed by the, you know I can't process this, uh, right? And my uh, my resolve starts to waver. He karate chops me in the neck. I go down to my knees, and he he jams his fingers and thumbs into my face and rips off my face. It's pretty gruesome. <laughs> this sounds like an absolutely amazing movie. I cannot wait to see it. Uh, well, you know, I, I haven't even seen the whole thing yet. All I've seen is clips. Uh, uh, last month, I saw I was with director uh, uh, B. Harrison Smith at uh, Mad Monster Party in Charlotte. So we did a panel and. I saw as much of the movie as I've ever seen, you know, during that panel, including my own death scene. But it was cool, you know. Kane and I do a lot of uh, uh, conventions together, too. We have a blast doing that, man. Yeah, what has really been the uh, the embrace from the uh, the convention scene, the, the fans? How, how have you kind of taken that? Uh, you mean in general or anything anything in particular or just in general? No, just in general. Oh, it's great, man. I love I absolutely love doing conventions and making personal appearances, you know. It's a for us uh you know, celebrities, it's a win-win situation. We we have no risk other than traveling to the the uh, you know, to the event. <laughs> And I mean that's it. That's the only risk we have, and it's it's fun. I mean, you know, you get to meet people, you get to goof around with people, you sell a couple pictures, you know, you go to the bar, you have a few drinks, you know, maybe uh, go to some destination restaurant in in the city you're in, and it is all good, man. You know, and the people, you know, it's just I like to meet the people. You know, uh, I, I don't. I would just like to say something. Uh, I hear some. St- I hear stories, not a lot. Uh, not a lot, I guess, uh, of people's encounter with celebrities, and I can't. I'm not going to pick out any names right now. But there are people that are just very surly and sour, and and you know, just kind of condescending at their table. And, and I don't see the sense of it. If you don't want it. If you if you don't want to do it, stay home for Christ's sake. You know, right? Uh, you you have a responsibility as a celebrity when you're out in public. Uh, this is this may be someone's first contact with a quote unquote celebrity. Uh, they've paid good money to get in. They're paying good money for the product that they're buying. They deserve to be treated well and they and to have a good time. You know. And I, I just like to have a good time too, you know. So it's, I like I said, I, I I just really like doing the conventions. They're they're fun for me. They're a, they're like a paid vacation. <laughs> and and I, I absolutely love what you said there about how you conduct yourself there. That that's amazing. Unfortunately, I have not had the the pleasure of meeting you at one of these yet. But hopefully, one of these days, very soon, I'll actually get that honor. Well, I hope I hope so, Mike. Uh, you know, keep, let's keep our fingers crossed that it happens. 
Yeah. Um, just being curious, do you actually uh, do you actually strangle people for photos like Kane does? Because I do actually have a an encounter with Kane where uh, he left me, uh, let's say, sore for the rest of the day. Um, uh, I, I, I do. Uh, <laughs> I'm not as I'm not as uh, vigorous as Kane, and he keeps yelling at me. You know, choke him harder, choke him harder. I say, Kane, I don't make as much money as you. I can't afford the lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> and now that, and that's, I've said that for years, right? And guess what? Somebody sued Kane. Oh, jeez. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, whoops. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe he doesn't want that. Uh, but he, yeah, he quit choking people. Wow. See, these and desist, I guess. Oh, <laughs> I only, I only, I only did it one time. I only made somebody pass out one time, and I wasn't even trying to do it. <laughs> uh, well, let's just kind of assume they were hopefully just excited. Well, you know, or they'd been up all night drinking or something. I don't know, but uh, you know, I was joking. It was Kane and I. We we were at a con somewhere, and we we decided we had our own little. We got like corner tables, right? And so we set up a little lounge. <laughs> it was very cool. We were having a blast. And uh, I was choking this guy, and he started, he said, I think I'm going to pass out, and, and, you know, and his knees buckled, and I thought he was just screwing around, and sure as shit, he fell to the floor. <laughs> I swear I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> fortunately, one of his buddies with him was an EMT, and he goes, ah, he's going to be all right. <laughs> so. Well, if I ever do get that honor, sir, I... I fully will ask to be throttled, and my fiance is actually a, a registered nurse. So have no fear if you you make me go unconscious. I will be well taken well, care of. Oh, there you go. Well, there you go. From uh, from now on, it's uh, uh, choking by request only. <laughs> uh, well, it seems like you and Kane kind of as of late have been at odds well uh at least excluding smothered because in uh hatchet 2 you actually get to play somewhat of a a good guy an anti-hero if nothing else and get to go one-on-one with kane well yes you know they wrote that part especially for me adam green with uh, a strong suggestion from kane uh i was my character was actually the first person to ever fight back at Victor Crowley or with Victor Crowley. And that's one hell of a fight, too. And it, and it, I, I, used, I, was, I, I used to describe it as a uh, knockdown, drag out, uh, rafter shaking, balls to the wall, fight to the death. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately. The movie is Hatchet 2, not, and my character's name was Trent. Uh, it was, the movie was not called Trent 2, so I knew I, I knew I wasn't going to make it to the end of the picture. But, no, but we, your character is definitely one of the most memorable from the Hatchet series. I mean, you may not uh, be a survivor, but just just the aura of badass and, and that fight scene makes Trent memorable. Oh, uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. What? Well, one review I read was kind of my, probably my favorite. The I can't remember who did it, but it was really cool. He said, 
the, the carved out of granite bad assery of R.A. Mihailov as Trent. (laughs) 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 But, oh, that was a great, you know, that was a great movie. That was a fun movie to work on. Think about it. Think of the people in the cast, man. Yeah. Kane Hodder. Kane Hodder. Danielle Harris. Tony Todd. John Carl Beekler. And the wonderful... Mr. Tom Holland. Yeah, that is one hell of a cast. Yeah. And we... we I, I can, I'll tell you three movies. The three movies that have been the best experiences and the highlights of my life are, of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, uh, Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. For the aforementioned reason, uh, I was able to work with many of my friends. Uh, the first time, that was the first time. Second highlight movie hatchet too again because i got to work with a bunch of friends and make new friends you know absolutely adore mr tom holland and his lovely wife kathy uh become good friends with them you know adam green and i just went out for hot dogs a a week ago (laughs) in new jersey in in, in new jersey for those uh those italian style hot dogs if you know okay you know what i'm talking about you know uh, at jimmy buffs they're great man uh you know, so that was that was uh, another highlight, and then of course, uh, John R. Schneider's smothered. That was a blast. Think about it. Again, the aforementioned Kane Hodder. I, see, I, I can't seem to get rid of that guy for some reason. <laughs> uh, uh, Kane Hodder, Bill Mosley, uh, Don Shanks, uh, Malcolm Denar, me. Uh, who else was in it? I can't remember. And John Schneider writing and directing it. And we had so much fun doing that movie because all of me, me Kane, Bill Mosley, and Don Shanks, we all think we're smart guys, you know, like smart, like, you know, intelligent. So right. we were always trying to bust, we were, we were always trying to bust each other's balls one up, you know, with, with obscure, uh, uh, um, words, you know, uh, spelling, definition, usage, uh, just, we were just always, you know, trying to uh, one-up each other, and and it it was just, you know, it was a lot of fun, man, and again, Kane and I, we just, we really have a, uh, it's almost like a shtick uh, (laughs) that people seem to respond to pretty well, you know, and uh, it was fun. Uh, you know, and we shot it in Louisiana, and we were, got to go to Baton Rouge, and out in uh, out in the hinterlands of uh, you know uh, Livingston Parish. It was just man, that was a good experience. I, I, I wish we could have done Smothered too. Well, also with that one, you really what people think of when they think of you, Mr. R.A., is they, they think of the the bad ass, just that aura that you ooze, and you play definitely not that. You play uh, out of character, if you will. Oh, and smothered, yeah, well, that was the whole idea. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, toward the end of the movie, I was doing an electronic press kit, and uh, 
kid taping it, we took a little break. And he goes, you know something? Every time you talk about your character, your voice changes. <laughs> and I realized, it, toward the end of the movie, of course, never figured it out while I was doing the movie, but uh, my, 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 char- my character was a cross between Curly from the Three Stooges, the cowardly lion from uh, Wizard of Oz, and uh, remember? Do you remember the comic strip Beetle Bailey? Yes. Remember General Halftrack's uh, chauffeur Julius? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was a com- so my character in Smothered was a sort of a combination of all three of those guys, <laughs> all, all 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 channeled subconsciously, you know. <laughs> Well, you you said that you and Kane, you can't really escape each other. Well, I I do know that you guys uh, actually do more than than just the the horror films. You also uh, have a little paranormal research group with the Hollywood Ghost Hunters. Is that correct? Well, I wouldn't exactly call it a little. Well, by no means. Yeah, I misspoke. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, we have a group called Hollywood Ghost Hunters, um, and we, uh, you know, we we do it as often as we can. We don't have any sponsorship. We don't, you know, we we we're angling for our own show, but uh, it's just not uh, it's not crystallizing for some reason. Yeah, you guys uh, did a, a trailer or something, didn't you? Yes, we did. We actually did a uh, sizzle reel and uh, shopped it around. We, we worked with a company, a development company, and they sh- shot the reel for us, uh, shot shot it, shopped it around. Nothing ever came of it. So, and it's a it's a it's a mystery to me why nobody picked it up. I I really don't uh, understand it. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I have no idea either because I actually watched that, and uh, I, I am a, a fan of the paranormal. It's always interested me my entire life, and uh, that was definitely one of the shows that that piqued my interest. Not only because of the paranormal, but because of the people in it. It just seems right. natural that a, a studio would want to jump on that. Well, you would think so. I mean, you know, come on. Uh, <laughs> Horror professionals confronting the paranormal, and our our sort of motto was: if you run, you're done. <laughs> you know, because we ain't gonna we ain't gonna we ain't gonna run from no stinking ghosts. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you a little something that happened though. That <laughs> shortly after we formed the group. Or actually, after Kane and uh, Rick McCollum formed the group, they invited me to join. Uh, I think the reason they did is because two, you know, they're two Hollywood stuntmen, and they needed a pretty face. <laughs> so. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I booked uh, a, per, uh, a personal appearance at uh, Tala Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. They had opened a a haunted walk through haunted attraction. And they booked me to appear there, and part of my engagement was to go on an overnight ghost hunt. Oh, that's badass! And, uh, 
Huh? I said that is absolutely badass. I would love to do that. Oh, yeah, well, listen, yeah, well, that place is really cool. And But I forgot. I was <laughs> I forgot I was supposed to go that night, so I, I didn't have anything. I, I didn't have a flashlight. I had no equipment or anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the place is huge, and they... They they broke people up into little groups of you know like a dozen, uh, so there was no way I could go with every group you know all around. So they decided to put me in one spot, and uh, as the groups made their way through the grounds and stuff like that, they would all encounter me and we'd you know interact and stuff like that. So they put me outside the morgue, which is the oldest building on the property, and uh, I was all alone. No, in the dark with no flashlight, nothing. Uh, sitting on a folded, folding metal chair, way up from my bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, it'd be a while. You know, it'd be uh, you know probably a half hour between each group coming through and everything. Uh, later in the night, I was getting you know weary, I guess, or something. And I swear to God, this is what I heard. Ooh, ooh, just like in the movies, man, you know? And I'm sitting there all alone in the dark, hungry, tired, cold, uh, and it's starting to work on my mind. I'm hearing this, ooh, ooh, and, you know, it. I swear it sounded just like the, the, the movie trope, you know? Right. And... For a nanosecond, I, well, I'm not going to say I panicked, but I got a little excited. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I couldn't figure out what it was, you know. And uh, But then I decided, well, I just got, you know, inducted as a member of Hollywood Ghost Hunters. Our motto is, if you run, you're done. So I realized I was going to have to stay there and c- confront whatever it was and take whatever happened to me. Otherwise, I would be, you know, ostracized by Kane and Rick. And I got to tell you, and, and I knew there were people in the building, you know. Uh, if I'd been in that, if I'd gone in by myself and heard that, I don't think I would have stuck around. Uh, but what I, what I realized, the, that buildings are so big and so huge that that was the reverb and echo and things like that of people talking as they were walking and <sighs> as, as they got as they got closer to me I could find you know I could start to make out their voices so but the, the bottom line is I did not run so I am not done <laughs> well with the Hollywood ghost hunters have you actually had any encounters um I am a I'm a skeptic uh, uh, I'm a skeptical most of the point of a non-believer uh, I can tell you one thing that it was curious to me and impressive was the very first time we went to the Omen house are you are you familiar with the Omen house yes Dave Omen you know uh, up on Cielo Drive it's his contention that the disembodied spirits uh, dislocated spirits from the Sharon Tate house took up residence in his place when the the actual Sharon Tate house was uh, razzed and, you know, rebuilt. Anyway, we went up there, 
and I was in the master, the bathroom of the master bedroom with a K2, and I started calling out, you know, Sharon, Wojtek, Abigail, and man, that K2 lit up like a, like a Christmas tree. Well, that's a little unnerving. <laughs> mm, well, not, nah, uh, not unnerving, interesting. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, truthfully, you know, somebody asked Dave Oman, uh, so we all gathered, you know, we were actually standing in his master bedroom, a bunch of us, and we were talking, you know, and uh, somebody asked him, if, aren't you afraid of, uh, you know, having all these ghosts around? And Dave Oman said, the most profound thing I've ever heard, you have more to fear from the living than you do the dead. No, that's, that's, yeah, that's very well put. Sadly so. Yep. Yep. So, so yeah, so it wasn't unnerving, you know. Uh, it was, but it was interesting. That's, that's probably my biggest uh, reaction, you know, to everything in the ghost hunting game. Yeah. So, before... I let you go. I, I am curious. I, I have to know about the uh, the pro wrestling part of your career. Okay, so here's okay. Well, look, okay, uh, uh, brother. <laughs> let me tell you this. Let me tell you the story. Okay. <laughs> uh, I used to have really long hair and a big beard, and I'm kind of a big guy. And, oh, you know, I'd be walking down Hollywood Boulevard or something like that. And, Somebody, you know, people are, hey, Jesse, how's it going, you know, stuff like that, or I, I finally broke down and bleached my hair blonde, you know, and uh, I used to get gas at the same gas station, you know, like, at least once a week, if not more, after a few months, the, the kid finally came out and he goes, hey, mister, can I ask you a question? Okay, now I got, you know, I got long, long blonde, bleached blonde hair and a big bleached blonde beard. He says, Mr. Can I ask you a question? I said, Yeah, kid, what do you want? He goes, Did you get your face surgically altered to look like Hulk Hogan? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I, and I actually, you know, did quite a few commercials playing wrestlers and strongmen and stuff like that. So it just sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it just sort of almost fell in my lap, if you will, you know, and, uh, <laughs> doing that Hulk Hogan voice, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I just fell in my lap, then I, then, uh, me and my, uh, uh, my training partner, we were approached at the gym, and asked if we wanted to go to wrestling school, so we said, hell yeah, and we actually went to the same school at the same time as John Cena. Oh wow! I I have no memory of him from there. <laughs> uh, well, no, and I'll tell you two reasons why. One, he was you know several ro rotations ahead of me uh, as far as the training went, so we'd never had class together. Right. And also, he was was not quote unquote John Cena then either. No, he used to yep. go by the uh, the prototype or something strange like that, right? 
Yeah, the prototype. That was his original gimmick given given to him by another friend of mine, Brett Big Schwag Wagner, who was also involved in the wrestling school. And, uh, yeah, that was his first gimmick prototype. But, you know, it was, it, I, what I'm saying is he wasn't, he wasn't the uh, superstar that, you know, he w- was going to be. It, it, it's very similar. Being in the same wrestling school with John Cena, is very similar to the situation working on Chainsaw 3 with Viggo Mortensen. If you understand what I mean. They yeah. were they were rank and file at the time. In both instances, they were rank and file at the time and went on to start them later. Yeah, just another one of the guys back then. Yep, 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 exactly. But uh did find out something uh, a week ago that my, good, my new good buddy Mick Foley... It turns out his son is a huge fan of uh, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw 3. So Mick and I were at a uh, convention in New Jersey uh, two weeks ago, and uh, he came up to me and asked for a picture, (laughs) which I thought was pretty cool. That is awesome. Yeah. It was for his son, of course. Right. Still, still, he did tell me. He did tell me he was going to go home that night, uh, Sunday night, when he was leaving. He said he's go- he was going to go home, and he and his boy were going to watch the movie together. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and I, I reminded him that I had actually met him. Oh my God, I don't even remember. When he was working for a promotion called UWF, uh, and uh, I had gone down the uh, down the Cauliflower Alley into the backstage area, uh, he was working. He he was using the gimmick Cactus Jack then. And okay. He and I spoke for he and I spoke for a few minutes uh, uh, at the at that particular wrestling match, which was years ago. Of course, he didn't remember it, but I did. <laughs> So, but but the 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 final uh, the final thing about my career in professional wrestling, it was a mere blip on the professional wrestling radar. Never, I never got out of Southern California. Never made it to the big time. That's a shame. I've never actually got to see one of your matches. Well, don't feel bad. A lot of people, most people haven't. (laughs) The the thousands in attendance and the millions watching at home. No, (laughs) no. The the hundred the hundreds of the hundreds in attendance and the few that will review the uh, closed circuit taping. <laughs> so when I got, you know, when I got the opportunity to go to wrestling school, I jumped on it, and uh, you know, there, and there it is. 
Well, you've had one hell of a career, and it's been nothing but an honor to actually get to speak to you tonight, sir. Well, you know what? I appreciate your interest and taking the time uh, to call me, Mike. I appreciate it. Well, we look forward to speaking to you again when uh, one of your future projects hit. Anytime you want me on Rabbit and Red Radio, I'm just a phone call away, brother. All right, all right. You have a good one. All right, Mike. Thank you. The cult of personality
<gasps> that was horrible. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 